Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Well, we did it. We are here with part two of Granny Rainbow's High Magic, How to Turn Your Lead into Gold. Deeper inside the mystery, as the lightning complex fires continue to burn everything around us and... I fortunately have been evacuated back to my home temporarily and only lost power and electricity here for part of the day. I might find myself with time to do more of this for you all and for Arissa, the author of this out-of-print book, and my dear friend who's just camped out not too far from where I'm currently sitting. Chapter 17. The Science of Sciences. Quote, Alchemy represents the projection of a drama in both cosmic and spiritual terms. The opus magnum had two aims, the rescue of the human soul and the salvation of the world. Carl Gustav Jung, Psychology and Alchemy. And then there's a picture of him. It says, Carl G. Jung, High Magician. This is a startling statement on the part of Dr. Jung. Clearly, he recognized alchemy as the highest magic because it can save our souls and our world as well. In fact, he says salvation, being rescued from spiritual ignorance, is the purpose of this often misunderstood metaphysical science. Opus magnum means great work in Latin. No wonder alchemy is called the science of sciences. Carl Gustav Jung was born in Switzerland in a time when the human mind was grossly misunderstood. Psychology did not exist in the Western world. Jung's father was a strict Calvinist preacher. Jung had profound dreams and insights that he knew he could not share with his very conventional family. As a young man, Jung studied with Dr. Sigmund Freud, credited with being the father of psychology. But Freud disdained, feared, occultism and mysticism, while Jung was learning from personal inner magical experiences. The two men parted ways due to their disagreement on this topic. Following his conscience and doing his planetary service made Jung a happy, mellow fellow. As a trailblazer, his life was not easy, but that didn't stop him. 
Carl Gustav searched through bookstalls, collected everything he could about alchemy, and translated the Latin texts into modern psychology. Of course, he also studied in school, became a doctor, and did things like live in an insane asylum without ever coming out for six months. He blossomed into a great healer of the mind and wrote many volumes about psychology. Jason Lauderhand read them all, twice. Dr. Jung was a primary figure of the 20th century, and his legacy lives on in a world that embraced his discoveries, among which were the collective unconscious, archetypes, psychological shadow, introvert and extrovert, projection, persona, and individuation. Jung speaks about Mercurius and alchemy. Quote, Mercurius stands at the beginning and end of the work. He is the prima materia, the caput corvi, the, and the negredo. As dragon, he devours himself, and as dragon, he dies, to rise again in the lapis. He is the play of colors in the cauda pavonis, and the division into the four elements. He is the hermaphrodite that was in the beginning, that splits into the classical brother-sister duality, and is reunited in conjunctio. To appear once again at the end, in the radiant form of Lumen Novum, the stone, he is metallic yet liquid, a matter yet spirit, cold yet fiery, poison and yet healing draught, a symbol uniting all opposites. Carl Gustav Jung, uh, Psychology and Alchemy, Part 3, Chapter 3.1. And here we have an alchemical symbol of Mercurius with the mercury above his head and the stabs in hands, sun and moon on his left and right and wings. The ancient Mercury Hermes carried a caduceus, a staff on which two snakes entwined upward. To this day, the caduceus is a symbol of healing and wholeness. Two of the staves are shown in this drawing. He, she wears a crown, symbol of kether, the self on the tree of life another image of wholeness. This old diagram was found in the World Wide Web. It was entitled Mercurius, but was inaccurate due to being depicted as in being entirely male. Mercurius is androgynous, both male and female, representing the three supernals, one divine being with two modes of expression. Your priestess made several changes so as to make the female and male sides obvious. Oh, so this drawing is modified by Arissa herself. That's cute. Very cool. As Jung says, above, Mercurius is a symbol uniting all the opposites. In astrology, Mercury rules Gemini, the twins. This symbol, or glyph, of the astrological twins is made of two lines that are equal and opposite, joined above and below to make one. The original artist drew this Mercurius as all-male, for one of two reasons. He didn't know any better. Due to ignorance of the teachings, or he did it purposely to confuse the uninitiated. The second reason is called a blind, which is a misleading representation of information, deliberately placed to protect sacred teachings. As previously stated, now, during Earth's ascension, the truth no longer wants protection, and by contrast, prefers proclamation. Eons of untruth are swiftly coming to an end. In my high school Latin class, we were taught that the Roman god Mercury was androgynous. 
but statues and drawings always depicted Mercury as male. I used to wonder about this oversight, and was charmed upon discovering an alchemical diagram of a half-male, half-female person. When my view of the world broadened, Hindu pictures of the Shiva Shakti were also delightful. Personally, I have always felt androgynous, and hold in high honor those brave souls who are true to their androgyny despite castigation from a misinformed society. Alchemical Diagram of the Hermetic Androgene from Greek Andros, Man and Gene, Woman. This figure is a part of a European diagram, approximately 1600 Common Era. The vessels represent the law of correspondence, as above, so below. Female and male are partners in one unified whole, depicting right and left brain, art and science, receptive and assertive. In the previous Mercurius diagram, he-she wears a crown. In many diagrams, alchemy places the astrological symbol for Mercury above the head in the position held by Keter, the crown, number one on the tree of life. In astrology, Mercury is the thinking capacity. At the top of the tree in the place of the crown, Mercury symbolizes the enlightened intellect and the androgynous brain. In tarot, Mercury becomes the magician. The different disciplines, tree of life astrology and tarot, are looking from different angles at the same occult information. Every human person has magical Mercury in their makeup. Every person can consciously realize he or she is one with the one being, which contains yang, left brain, and yin, right brain. That is Mercurius's main message. In alchemy, Mercury is associated with the Greek Hermes and Egyptian Thoth, and God who come to earth as an enlightened master to implant the sacred teachings of ageless wisdom. Quite possibly this is being was physically androgynous, as many who dwell in the higher planes of existence, and all humans are inwardly. These ideas may be hard to grasp in the third dimension, but easy in the fourth. Hang in there. The separate but equal wands held by the god Des, Mercurius, Mercuria, correspond to Yang, Hakma, and Yin, Bina, and to alchemical sulfur and salt. Sulfur is hot and male, and the alchemical fires of hell are sulfuric, reminding us that Hakma rules and is fire. Salt crystallizes in cubes, therefore salt is analogous to substance, the gift of the female principle. Also, oceans are salty water, reminding us that Bena rules and is water. Remember that the spiritually inclined ancient alchemists were exploring chemicals to find mirrors in nature for their inner experiences, as above, so below. Today's spiritual alchemists will also see correspondences between their outer and inner worlds. The most obvious one is this. When your heart is open, people will open up to you. Sometimes I would walk around with Jason, going to lunch and so forth. Time and again I would see strangers in passing, at lunch counters, etc., light up with a big smile as my teacher approached. Although I couldn't see it, I think his aura of light must have extended out for 50 miles or more. Mercury, also known as Quicksilver, is the only common metallic element that is fluid at ordinary temperatures. It was known in ancient China and India, and was found in Egyptian tombs, all countries where alchemy was practiced. 
In astrology, Mercury represents the intellect, which is fluid, looking everywhere and thinking about everything. Mercurius, a Roman name, embodies the qualities of the element, the astrological planet, and the god. Let us decipher Jung's description just a bit. Mercurius stands at the beginning and end of the work. The alchemist's androgynous self existed before descending into forgetfulness. At the successful completion of the great work, the self is remembered. Remembered. Self-realization brings the alchemist into perfect balance. We are definitely talking about high magic here. He is the prima materia. An awakened human is unified with Binah, the divine mother, first matter, that continuously gives birth to all creation. In other words, the successful alchemist is one with all. Knowing himself or herself, to have constant access to the first matter. Mercurius can create anything within the law of one. The Caput Corvi. Caput means source, chief, leader, the main point, the great thing. Corvi means glittering. This phrase means greatest light. Mercurius is completely identified with the source, the light of life. Glittering may refer to what the Kabbalah calls the radiant darkness. When the Tai Chi symbol spins, as it always does, dark and light are equally mixed. The Negredo. Negredo means darkness. The alchemist integrates his or her shadow, the hidden, denied part of the human psyche that was uncovered by Jung in modern times, but obviously the spiritual alchemists knew about it in olden days. Jung learned it from them. The important point is to integrate the shadow into consciousness so it doesn't trip us up. When we consciously accept and balance our darkness and our light, we stop projecting our dark side and blaming other people for our troubles. Then beings from the dark side cannot upset our equilibrium. For instance, if you recognize your own capacity for anger, you will not blame other people for theirs. You will not become angry at others because you know you are capable of all things they are doing. At the same time, you control your ego and withhold judgment. You become empowered to be unaffected by angry people. Perhaps you can have a mellowing effect on them. This pacifist awareness that anger is a choice was part of the philosophy of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King from whom we can learn to accept our own darkness and not project it on others. Once we understand our shadow, it becomes ever so much easier to deal with anger and all negativity. As dragon, he devours himself, and as dragon, he dies. The dragon is the wild creature within. It is an unrestrained expression of our fire nature. Out of anger, as in war, it may do damage. A society that fears the dragon creates all sorts of laws to repress it. The dragon rebels and ends up in a prison of some kind, perhaps the prison of a mind full of hate. On the road to enlightenment, the aspirant offers up everything in his or her nature that may harm others, dying to the lower nature. To rise again in the lapis. The self is the lapis who resurrects the alchemist's wild and fiery nature, that it may be used in service of the one life. 
The now fearless aspirant is empowered to help heal society. Lapis means stone. The philosopher's stone is a state of unity with the self. In Hebrew, ab means father and ben means son. Aben or aben means stone in Hebrew. The alchemical stone is code for unity consciousness. That is what our brother Jesus was referring to when he said the father and I are one. So it's a literal Hebrew wordplay, in fact. He never meant he was the only one, but rather that he was an example for everyone. Interesting, Jesus would have known Hebrew, but no one else around him would have, which is why his statement on the cross was so misunderstood, because the common people spoke Aramaic, a.k.a. Chaldean, not Hebrew. He is the play of colors in the Cauda Pavonis. This phrase translates as peacock's tail. When a male peacock opens his tail and shimmies it in the sunlight, the observer is spellbound. Rainbows are ephemeral and momentary. Life is an ever-shifting holographic play. Jung says an alchemist is not looking at the play. He or she is aware of creating and being the play. From this perspective, anything may be produced. I will make a note there to emphasize that the peacock's tail is a stage of alchemy in which um, higher aspects of the soul seem to be emitting from the initiate's sphere, uh, but it is uh, illusory. It is not a truly attained state. The peacock's tail is a warning state that of, of sort of a, you could call it, I guess, a false flag of alchemical development of the soul philosophorum. I won't say too much more on this because that's another matter. And the division into the four elements, Mercurius expresses the one life in a process of manifestation through the creation stages of fire, water, and earth. He is the hermaphrodite that was in the beginning, a reference to Kether on the tree of life, neither male nor female, but one. That splits into the classical brother-sister duality and is reunited in the conjunctio, the brother and sister are Hakma and Binah on the tree. Conjunction means union, togetherness. This happens when self-realization brings the three kinds of consciousness, the three supernals, together as the one thing. In the conjunctio, there is no longer any sense of separation. The alchemist has arrived at the goal. To appear once again at the end in the radiant form of the lumen novum, the stone. Lumen novum means the new light that is generated by the soul's reunion with itself. Father and son are one. Mother and daughter are one. All together are one. A subtle light surrounds the awakened one, who often seems to be beaming at people. This lumen novum is the origin of the halo depicted in paintings. He is metallic yet liquid, matter yet spirit, cold yet fiery, poison yet healing draught, a symbol uniting all the opposites. Mercurius is poised at the balance point of the cosmic scales of justice, where all opposites meet in harmony. The reference to poison is an inclusion of the shadow. Nothing is rejected or forgotten in the wholeness. Nature is essentially a biofunction of the self from a teaching received in a dream. In the understanding of the Kabbalah, inspirations are received from higher levels of life. Inspiration means spirit coming in. 
The very word Kabbalah means reception, or mouth to ear, in fact. When early alchemists were exploring the interactions of elements, the ones who sought spiritual gold were guided by spirit, the self, not to create physical gold, but to discover chemistry and free their minds. A beautiful etching by Rembrandt shows an alchemist in his laboratory. The light has just appeared to the truth-seeker, who stands in a posture of awe. Inside the divine light, four Hebrew letters appear, yud He vav He. Hebrew reads from right to left, so the letters are turned around for English readers, yud He vav He. This is the name of God in the Kabbalah, page 100. This glorious work of art from the mid-1600s is saying that the alchemist has just become self-realized. This picture has imprinted itself into my brain, and I regret not being able to reproduce it for you here. My point is this. Rembrandt was one of the greatest artists who ever lived. He must have been highly intelligent and inspired, inspirited, when he documented the divine nature of alchemy in this work of art. Rembrandt must have known at least one enlightened alchemist. Today we have a pictorial record of what happened then. Quote, Jung draws an analogy between the great work of the alchemists and the process of reintegration and individuation of the psyche in the modern psychiatric patient. In drawing these parallels, Jung makes an impassioned argument for the importance of spirituality in the psychic health of the modern man. From Wikipedia. Alchemy was called by Jung the rescue of the human soul and the salvation of the world. Its secret lies in understanding that true wisdom lives in the heart. The Chinese have a written character, Xing, pronounced Xing, which means heart-mind in Mandarin. It can also be translated not brain. This character represents the essence of alchemy and may well have been created by ancient Chinese alchemists. And here we have a representation of Xing, heart, mind, not brain, courtesy of Anthony Wright, 1950, lover of Chinese philosophy. Xing reminds us to let love be our guiding intelligence, let the mind be focused on loving thoughts, and let this activity originate in the chest, not the head. The brain is a computer, the heart is the seat of the soul. The heart is the first organ to appear in the formation of the body which builds itself around this most important organ. As it beats, the heart gives us physical life, and as it loves, it gives us spiritual life. It is here that we sense beauty, peace, and compassion. Our dear Dr. Jung would have us develop a heart-mind of gold. How to be an effective practitioner of the science of sciences. Dedicate and rededicate yourself to the great work. Sincerity is essential. Practice surrender to the one life light love. Be an example of a happy and relaxed yet earnest seeker. Remember that equilibrium is the basis of the great work. Keep checking in with yourself to know if you are in balance. If not, relax into your heart. Do something every day to advance your progress toward the goal of self-realization. Work with the tools of high magic as outlined in this book, and wherever else you feel that the teacher is a good example for you. 
Do not stay with the teachers who rub you the wrong way, even if they are very convincing. Your inner teacher is the best guide. Seated in your heart, your own divine soul self knows your unique path. Welcome challenging situations because they hold the most growth potential. Approach everything that happens personally and globally as a gift and a chance to hone your alchemical wisdom and understanding. Be grateful for the high magic. Be kind to yourself and others. Resist the temptation to push yourself on the path. As Paul Foster Case says, we have all eternity in which to work. Steady as she goes, we'll win the gold. Meditate on the question, why is alchemy called the science of sciences? Perhaps write about this topic. Be sure to use both your right and left brain skills. Join us tomorrow as me and Granny Rainbow explore in-depth the Emerald Tablet. I've tried to include links below to find this out-of-print book and other books, including The Spoken Kabbalah and High School Astrology. And, of course, you can find my books under Fred RC on Amazon and more good content on my Fred RC YouTube page. Peace. Hi, I'm Granny Rainbow. Thanks for listening to my friend Frater R.C. read from my out-of-print book, High Magic, How to Turn Your Lead into Gold. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk that's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk